This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora Mawera. Kia ora Sam, how are you today? Very well. You all excited for tomorrow? I am so excited for tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I can barely contain myself. <laughs> uh, we'll be getting up and um, going over to Rotorua to spend the day with Tamati and the rest of our whanau over there. Uh, and I'm just, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And um, and I and I just feel a bit silly for my excitedness sometimes, but I'm such an election fan. <laughs> when we're winning, I'm an election fan. <laughs> But there's no campaigning tomorrow, so you're just going to have to be quiet. No. You're, you're, you're going to hide yeah, from take Facebook. The signs down. No, I can never do that. But I will. Um, I will definitely be taking signs down. Um, we've still got more to do tonight. And really, it's just. I don't know. I'm really excited with the way people have voted this time. There's been a real energy around voting. It's been an exciting time. So yeah, it'll be an interesting corridor next week. Hey. It will indeed. And who are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce someone who's a, a colleague to us uh, or oh, has been in the past doing some work with mm. Capable. Philip, mm. are you still are you still doing Capable? No, 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 I'm not at the moment. All right, so not, no longer a colleague of ours but has been in the past. Uh, Philip Alexander Crawford, who's currently the Interim Operations Manager uh, for Partnership and Equity at Tapukinga. So, wow, what a cool time for you to be in a new role with a new organisation and doing new stuff, new starts. Yeah, yeah hey. absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for um, for the welcome and uh, telling us your political alliances, so that's good to hear. And uh, <laughs> So, yeah, we're all looking forward to seeing those results. Uh, results from that election. So kia ora. And kia ora, Sam. Kia ora, Phil. How has your bubble life been? A real mix, really. Um, it's sort of sort of had phases initially uh, because I'm because I'm a people's person and and uh, moving moving from having many many people surrounded me uh, both at work and at home to a to a, sh- a shrunken uh, bubble that was uh, quite difficult for me. It was also difficult for those uh, few that were in my home bubble because they got sick of me talking and I got banished um, within a day and a half to the uh, sleep out. Uh, for my office because every half hour they really didn't want to talk to me about anything and everything. So, um, yeah, quite a change, but it's, it's evolved. So, um, obviously, COVID's had its um, ups and downs, uh, but for me, it's meant the flexible working uh, conditions that are that are accepted by a lot of employers now. Uh, that's that's been a real real positive. Um, so 
Yeah. So I, someone said to me uh, yesterday, I said, oh, I struggled, struggled with COVID. And she said, yeah, I remember you saying that and you were just going on and on and on about it. And um, and uh, what's changed? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm actually work, enjoying working from home now. She said, probably the thing for me, that's me, uh, is that uh, before you had no choice, you had to be at home. Now you have a choice. And I think um, I think she's right. That, that That is the difference for me where I do have have the opportunity to work work from my bubble here um, or in Hamilton where the Pukinga uh, is based um, or uh, the local polytech here who have left me some space uh, here. Um, and I've also worked in a whole range of other places, Marais, um, libraries, uh, and and uh, I think I've worked out of a school one day as well because I, I was looking for some Wi-Fi and they were, they were nice enough to allow me to have some. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's had its ups and downs. So did you start the new job like, during lockdown or the, the transition during that kind of time? How did that play out? No, it, it started about uh, two months ago. And so I benefited from benefited from um, that change in attitude by many people and employers as to uh, the fact you can work remotely um, and uh, it certainly was encouraged so um, to uh, work is, is focused on not building a huge bureaucracy uh, so we hot desk within the office um, there's there's no dedicated seating and uh, it's um, starting afterwards has been a real benefit mm. so what's the new job What's it involve? Yeah, um, it's a big focus uh, for for um, uh, Te Pukinga around partnership with Māori, meaningful partnership with Māori. The charter refers to that. Um, te Treaty partnerships, uh, underserved learners, which includes Māori, Pacifica, and and um, those with disabilities, uh, and. That focus is, is at the moment um, a real, real concentration on working on those treaty partnerships, and so um, it's about operationalising that and implementing Te Paitafiti, which is the Te uh, Treaty or Waitangi uh, Excellence Framework, which was developed uh, by Will Workman. Uh, it was his thought thought leadership around that, and so we have a very small team uh, that are rolling rolling that out through all of the subsidiaries and working with each of the subsidiaries. The so subsidiaries are the uh, the new name for the old uh, polytechnics. So of course, Otago is still Otago Polytechnic, but it's one of the subsidiaries of of uh, Te Pukinga and New Zealand Skills and, and Training. You've long so it's, been... it's operationalising it, rolling it out. You've been long been involved in developing those sorts of partnerships. You were doing it for, I've forgotten the name of the trust that you were doing it for. Was it for all of Northland or for, for Natahini? Is, is it the same yeah, stuff, yeah. Rip Big? Yeah, yeah. The co-papa is the same. Uh, and when you, um, when you speak with people that have been in the same space uh, for, for years and sometimes for many people decades, it, it's based around the same co-papa, which is Te Treaty. Um, both as a as a model of, of engagement, uh, but uh, also as a methodology. Um, because if you can get that partnership right, then you can utilize utilize that that learning and that that capability to to improve outcomes for everyone. Um, so yeah, it ties in with the work that I I completed with Tamatado Education Trust, which was the consortium of of six iwi and hapu 
um, from Totokuro uh, to support Māori Pacifica Trades Training, and also a lot of the work that I did around uh, building partnerships with, with between uh, groups such as Ngāti Wai, uh, iwi up here, and, um, and North Tech, um, uh, and some of the universities to, to support educational outcomes for Māori. Yeah, so a big tie into that. Still the same kaupapa, um, possibly on a, on a larger stage, uh, but it's good to be at the pointy end of, of supporting that change um, across the country, across the mutu, and um, yeah, it's being received with great enthusiasm, so it's good to see. So what's the what's the, the, the playbook? Is it you find somebody that you think we should be partnered with and give them a ring and go and have a cup of tea? <laughs> Everything starts with a cup of tea, eh? Um, yeah, so um, it's all based around relationships uh, and, and that's the start, the middle and the finish. Um, relationships will get you through through forming something at the start which, which will um, benefit all. Uh, it'll get you through the hard times and um, it also gives a purpose for celebrating at the end. So those those, those relationships are uh, if you get if you get the right foundation to start with, then that's the key to the to the partnership. I remember when I was a lawyer, the I, I used to draft uh, memorandums of agreement and and um, and uh, memorandums of understanding for for law clients, and I, I, I always tried to unpack the intent of the relationship at the front end of the document. And some lawyers uh, really struggled with with that type of drafting because they wanted to cut to the to the chase as they saw it with the terms and terms of the arrangements. But what I found, um, and I, this is many years ago that I that I was uh, practicing, um, but what I found was when you when you find commonality and you identify that and you put it out front in a document, then it it helps to um, not only flesh out. Uh, why people are involved, but it also sometimes it's never spoken about. People have a great idea, but then they don't identify their their commonality um, and their shared objectives, um, and and so that's flowed on to to the practice of of using um, SOSO statements of shared objectives, um, which is a which is a document a few of us pulled together. Uh, over the last five years, so that's that's about saying if we've if we've got shared objectives um, and they're really clear, then what we agree to to do um, stands on really really solid foundations. Um, so those initial conversations will not only establish the relationship, but will will help help the the arrangements to be sustainable long term because we all have disagreements we all have misunderstandings um but you you've got to you've got to get the stuff as right as you can at the front end um and as we've seen with covid what what arrangements we made uh, prior or our understandings of the world prior to covid um in in a lot of spaces were turned on their head i spoke to uh, an employer um, he's, in his field, he's one of the bigger. Well, he's the biggest contractor um, in the country and in in the field that that his company operates. And and um, it was really interesting because what he said was during COVID, um, the contracts that that they had, whenever an issue came up, um, everyone cooperated, and often terms were pushed aside. Uh, were were um, agreed that look we won't we won't insist on that time frame we won't insist on that pricing um, and what it meant was it was a, a cooperative model um, based on a contract that was written prior to COVID but the results but the results were still achieved um, and I asked him the other day when I saw him is, is that still the case 
and he said not to the same extent. So I think with COVID, I, I mean, we've all thought this, haven't we? Um, how much will really change and uh, how much change are we still yet to see? Um, as well as what are the changes that we need to try and advocate for and hang on to? Because um, I think I think some things, particularly for for those those groups that were disadvantaged prior to COVID, we were, we don't want things to go back to normal because their normal wasn't great. Um, and so so um, yeah, it was interesting. I was I was going I was travelling back from Hamilton yesterday, uh, and I was listening to a to a, a, a debate on the radio around um, cafes in the uh, CBD of, of Auckland, Tamaki Makoto, and um, and uh, someone from the business community saying that they were demanding that uh, the Auckland Council and the government made their workers come back to their offices in the CBD. And of course, um, uh, we saw we saw quite an environmental um, benefit uh, and a lightning of uh, a great lightning of, of pressure on infrastructure um, during COVID. And and um, yeah, I, there's, there's a, there is conflict now between what used to be, which was which was very a lot of people in CBD areas. Um, uh, but then, then the the benefit of of working from home, spending spending time around your kids, um, and having the flexibility and avoiding some of the costs of of travelling and and parking in uh, the city, you know. Um, but it has it does have a, a downside, and that that's that um, effect on all those retailers uh, that that base their business around a certain number of people being based in the CBD. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think we do need to identify those things we really want to hold on to and advocate for that. And I don't really see that at the moment. I don't. I don't feel that there's enough discussion around around those things. Mm. Let's put on. You asked for Van Morrison. I have spent the afternoon dancing around to different variations <laughs> on Van Morrison. But let's go for. Have I told you lately? To the one 
Have I told you lately that I love you? Have I told you there's no one above you? Fill my heart with badness Take away my sadness Ease my troubles, that's what you do before Phil about relating educational objectives to things such as the sustainable development goals so, so using those as as sort of guiding principles what are the guiding principles that that are behind the the, the, the partnership and equity work I, I see a lot of those sustainable development goals as connecting with that with that work um, I think that um, there's quite a call that uh, someone someone gave me the Māori translated um, uh, SRDs and they, they're really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a real connection. And I guess that's that's why they resonate with me. Um, and it's and it's interesting that they've been with amongst some groups have been um, during COVID heavily criticised. You know, they've been sort of lumped together with the United Nations and and uh, some of the some of the um, uh, conspiracy conspiracy theorist work. Um, but yeah, when you when you look at those, when you look specifically at those goals and um, and examine examine their connection, and actually these are the these are the Māori translations sitting in front of me, and um, yeah, they're um, you know they they are uh, you know they they it's it's I, I know those are a, 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 a literal translation of them, but but when you when you do when you do break them down, and as I have done, we're we're of uh, reflected on on partnership uh, agreements and equity uh, and and power sharing and um, and making sure how you operate as a is is 
turning things on their head to ensure that, that there's equitable allocation of resource, etc. Um, those goals have a real connection to that. And and so, you know, the thing I've been exploring is is if we if we're looking to and and this is this is my not my day job, but this is my this is my own personal um, sort of exploration. If if we look if we look at the goals and then we look at uh, the pursuance of uh, treaty excellence, for example, in our partnerships, um, then then I think those goals are a tool or a, uh, a matrix of engagement between Māori and non-Māori to work out to work out a, a discussion um, between between the two groups to to identify the commonalities. Um, because I think if you if if you use those goals. Uh, and, and explore them uh, separately and together. I think it's a way of binding people together, um, and I think it's a it's not only a conversation starter. Um, it's it's a framework that that you can start with um, to to guide that conversation. Because quite often I've seen there is no framework, um, and so both sides are, are coming from from their own skills, experience, capability, and capacity, and cultural cultural knowledge and background and beliefs, experiences, and you can you, it takes a lot to bring bringing those two two together. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a believer in those goals as a, as a way of bringing that bringing that conversation together a lot faster than than um, what it sometimes takes. So, is it about those bringing those partnerships together? Is it about is it a shared vision, or at least a an, a, a shared understanding of each other's vision? And I think it's both. And yeah. to help Mawira with writing what she's writing, what's the what's the role of imagination in that? Uh, I think it's a blend of of um, understanding. So uh, an understanding of where people are coming from. So the the uh, the fuckapapa of an individual, the fuckapapa of a hapu or an iwi, the fuckapapa of a of a, a trust board which which um, was established to receive a, a fishing settlement. Uh, that fuckapapa is different from a, a land owning uh, trust that that's uh, the uh, kaitiaki or, or guardian of of. Um, of land that's passed down through generations um, and is is encapsulated in a in a Maori land title. So so a lot of it a lot of it is around the whakapapa of of the organisation or of the people involved. Um, and and that works on both sides, both Maori and non Maori, because it's that whakapapa that is that history, that genealogy that establishes different people's views on life. Um, you know, we don't just we haven't just popped up and suddenly we are who we are. Um, you know, and so uh, that's that, that's why you know we share phenomena time. You know, we 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 have these discussions, we find out about each other, um, and also that we share time together. Um, so so and and that creates those those long time bonds. What what's what I quite often see is where. Uh, organisations will go to Māori and say, "What do you want?" Um, it, it's a difficult question for Māori to answer. They they've got strategies, they've got long-term plans, uh, they've they've got approaches that they want to to um, take. But when organisations go to them with that question, unless you have an understanding of what that organisation actually does or offers or is structured or is funded or or what their capability is or what their vision is, um, then you can sort of dance around each other without really landing anything. So 
um, in my grizzled old experience in this space. Um, I'm still a, I'm still positive about it. Uh, but I, but I'm, I, I think we can, we can bring those partnerships together. For for my day job, it's supporting uh, everyone within within our network to increase our capability and capacity in that space to to understand the fundamentals um, behind uh, why why partnership is important, why it's beneficial, um, and and for us to ensure that. Um, those of us that are crown agents uh, that we we have and continuously increase our capacity and capability to to engage in the conversation. So we're rolling out a framework Te Paitafiti, which is an internal tool to to self reflect on each of our ability uh, and experience as to how to partner with Māori. So it's not an external tool. It's not it's not taking it to the to the local trust board or the runanga and saying, guess what we've got? We've got this tool and we we're gonna we're gonna provide it to you. It's not about that. It's it's for all of us to increase our capability in that space. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to to um, to seeing people grow and develop. Um, and it is going to take the whole network, and we've got great people. We've got great people, and I've, yeah, I've been fortunate to have worked across most of the polytechnics, um, so I know we have great people in there, and, and there's a real appetite. There's enough, there's enough of an appetite there to, to embrace um, our charter and to embrace those, those fundamental things such as, such as power sharing and, um, and meaningful partnerships um, and that, that word of co-design. Which tends to be bandied around uh, by a lot of people. Um, so yeah, all of those things. In the network, there's a lot of interest in it, in it, and so we've just got to work out how we can build that capacity as quickly as possible. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou ho ho. You're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. So, of course, as we can all hear from my voice, I'm still in croaky town and I'm doing my best to overcome all these various forms of inertia and venture forth bravely into the world to have a Zoom interview from the other side of the world from Roxana Diaz, the director of the World Migratory Fish Organization, because I have the great honor and privilege of being a judge for this year's Eurofishing Song Contest, which is very exciting. People all over the world are writing songs about migratory fish and their plight, and I'm so honoured, of course, to be part of this competition. And my own band, Tahu and the Takahes, we are celebrating and acknowledging our precious endangered native birds. This is a subject, of course, very close to my heart. How can we, as a species, harness our creative energy to celebrate and promote the care of other species? This is very important to me. So I'm looking forward to Zooming and Skyping with Roxana Diaz. But of course it got me thinking as well about migration and migratory fish. And for us here in beautiful Aotearoa, New Zealand, 
Many of our native freshwater fish migrate. Our beautiful tuna, eels, our longfin and shortfin eel, and our beautiful coado and kokapua, galaxid species, are migrating. And in order to do this, of course, they need a clear channel of water. They need to be able to make it all the way out to sea. And they head off bravely and valiantly to sea and have lots of babies. And after this mammoth effort of expedition and exploration, their spirits return to the great oneness and the great infinite and eternal consciousness of which we all sprang and their babies swim back to the exact bodies of water from which they came and scientists don't really understand this which of course fantastic and like many things in our universe is still learning more and more and more each day but they do know that they have compounds of iron in their brains so I can interpret this as you know a very handy brain compass very handy brain magnets I think that they can also see different wavelengths of light much like migratory birds being able to see polarized light and this enable them to make those journeys as well and I think they possess great wisdom and knowing having been here for millions and millions of years been making these journeys for millions and millions of years so of course this got me thinking about my own migrations and the migrations that we've all been making recently in our own lives as a species and I know for all of us when we are thinking about embarking on a journey of course there are many different feelings and emotions that come upon us before we are undertaking any creative act and as we all know Harvey Penfold has recently migrated up north I'm awaiting my mama migrating from the UK for many of us our loved ones are moving and migrating around us as soon as they possibly can safely due to this global pandemic we find ourselves in but my migrations today which I'll be making do require some reframing and I've decided having talked to you of course which always helps me so much that I'll take my inspiration from these migratory fish that I will reframe my creative journeys today and I'll emulate my favourite of our migratory fish, the beautiful tuna, the longfin eel, like my dear friend Waimarie who lives with us at Orokunoi and I will perceive my journey as swimming through a beautiful body of clear fresh water towards my true love eel somewhere in the tropical paradise of Tonga. So I'll look forward to this and be creatively inspired by this today. So I hope that wherever you are in your migratory process, you're able to draw inspiration from all those lives that we are connected to at all times and think about the glorious future that you want to usher into being. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Philip Alexander Crawford. We've seen lots of changes over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Flexible working practices. I, I think that's it's something that that um, I think will stick. Um, I I read a book on leisure about ten years ago, and it and it was be, behind. I was trying to look for it today so I could refer to it. Um, but it talked about the importance of leisure and and um, what that allows is is for for everyone to to have intellectual thought um, and. And it, it stuck with me, and I, I, I worry that all the talk about um, I've really enjoyed working from home, uh, weekends survive on four days a week work, um, we need to spend more time with our whanau, uh, we need to focus on, on the important things in life, uh, this has reset our, our whanau 
dynamics, etc. I worry. I worry that we're not talking enough about about those things. Um, they are important things, and um, yeah, I, I I hope those those some of those things have stuck. On the flip side, um, the future economically is is uncertain, and uh, COVID has affected different different groups in different ways. During COVID, I really noticed the difference between those that were government employees uh, and those that were self-employed. The worry that sat amongst those that were self-employed or employed by by businesses, um, there, there was a big big difference between those people um, that had reduced wages as a result of of um, cutbacks uh, and um, and then those those were, that were in, uh, employed by government were, were quite a, and, I, and I my wife and I were very very um, fortunate to be sitting in that second group um, but yeah there was some significant difference and as we can see um, in, uh, just this week with some of the larger um, retailers uh, laying off staff um, restructuring um, yeah, there's there's a lot of uncertainty around that. So, what will stick? The sharing of wealth? I don't think don't think that's occurred. Um, uh, the the um, sharing of wealth through the sharing of work. Um, I would have I would have hoped that that uh, we look or we or we saw greater um, job sharing. Um, uh, I know that's a big ask, but there was big talk during COVID by a lot of people that there was going to be. Uh, there was going to be dramatic change, and I don't. I just don't think that's happened. Um, I think there has has been a greater focus on and discussion uh, around around those that are disproportionately affected um, during COVID and post COVID. I know we're we're about to hear hear the election results, so that's been been uh, heavy noise. Um, uh, but yeah, I think some messages or some some even during the election campaign, some of the focus that I would have hoped uh, to have seen from all the parties is just just hasn't appeared. Um, and yeah, and has the system really changed? Where where those those that are that are disadvantaged uh, has it changed to support support them, or are we still are we still arguing over whether there should be a, a um, uh, uh, increase in in taxes or um, yeah, we, where's the where's the redistribution of, of wealth and power? What lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic response for the longer term questions, things like climate change and the the social inequity, the intergenerational questions, perhaps? Mm. I'll be interested to see the results from the election, huh? um, particularly in support for for the Green Party. Um, I know within within a couple of my bubbles um, there's there's uh, huge support support for the Greens, particularly around around um, sustainable practices. And I'm not saying the Greens are the only party that, that supports sustainable practice, environmental practices, but I'm going to be interested in seeing the results of that and also the breakdown of age um, age of voters. Um, because I think I think the greatest hope is um, an intergenerational change. So, so where where those younger voters um, uh, continue to vote, uh, and increasing numbers of those younger voters um, uh, enter the ballot box, um, and I think that those 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 numbers, that data, um, yeah. I, by looking at that, I, I, I'll form my own own view as to whether whether there's going to be a fundamental change. And also looking at the cannabis reform, 
um, and had a lot of discussions with a lot of lot of people. A lot of it's interesting. Some of some of the people that um, my gen, my age group um, have been highly influenced by their kids as to um, how they're going to vote, and and that's come through just with discussions uh, that that um, that I've had with with uh, like I say my age group. So um, yeah, time will tell. It's it's hard to bring around real change too when when and to to try and try and deliver um, sustainable change and support sustainability when you're under the hammer economically. Um, so again, I worry with the amount of debt, debt national debt the country's going to be carrying. Um, how, how much how how much attention will be turned towards towards some um, sustainable goals uh, versus um, uh, creating employment through increasing infrastructure uh, and and uh, big build projects. So yeah, it's a fine balance. Mm. A fine balance. It's, it's a huge balance between the two. You need to just keep rolling jobs out, um, but then then the environmental impact and so, and there obviously with the Resource Management Act, uh, that's a very across the parties. There's there's um, there's an intention to to. Uh, look hard and f- uh, hard at that that legislation. So yeah, I, d- I don't know what that's going to hold. Unfortunately, and- unfortunately, they're just simplifying that down to will repeal it as if as if all of the things that it does was mm. just going to go away. Anyway, let's take the clash with London Calling. Just coming, the sun's zooming in, and you stop on 
in college Yes, I was there too And you know what they said well, Some of it was true Rumbling calling at the top of the dial And after all this Won't you give me a smile I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, probably a, we, we had a Komatua die during COVID level three, and then we we delivered a, a project managed uh, his tongue um, during it started in level three uh, and moved into level two. That 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 always stands out to me as, as the greatest success because that was that was trying to um, to accommodate a whole range of range of um, of pressures and to to um, allow tikanga to to occur, but within a really prescribed non non touching uh, limited numbers uh, environment. So so that probably tested tested most of what I've learnt over the last fifty four years, um, and we managed to do it. Uh, but that was that was a really difficult difficult time, and we needed to deliver. We needed to deliver for him and his his whanau. Uh, so, and plus it was on a on a um, on a government site, uh, the Marae. So that was that had another layer of health and safety that was just non negotiable. Mm, yeah, I, I would say that's my greatest greatest professional success over the last so uh, we're right the last years, and so that that yeah. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So what's your superpower? Probably to bring people together and to, to tolerate, to tolerate, uh, tolerate um, via having a very thick skin. Uh, so, yeah, 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 if you'd envisage me with, with a really thick skin to be able to, to take any, any criticism, any attack, any... Any moment of, of uh, hotness, um, because I know know that you've just got to hang in there and, and you'll get there. But sometimes you have to tolerate uh, and experience other people's um, uh, reactions and pain, uh, because that's just part of the journey. And someone has to do it. Someone has to be that person that that just takes it on and and um, helps helps steady steady the walker. And and eventually we all start paddling again and we get to the other side. So yeah. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yeah, I do. Through system change and supporting the empowering of other people. Yeah, there's a lot of protection of information in our society. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not referring to, to any of the uh, stuff that's floated around on social media, but it's it's really, really hard to share power when the other group uh, has no, no knowledge, intimate knowledge of, of power and your power and of how you got to your power and how you maintain your power um, so it's incumbent on those with power to to share the knowledge around that um, a couple of years ago we a group of us coined the phrase of hapuri literacy and and what that's about is is the more that we empower our community or hapuri uh, with knowledge then the greater chance change will occur and it's sort of like um, a kaumatua from from our whangaruru once said to me is it an opportunity if you've never heard of it? Um, and he's a good guy. We we're having a beer at, at the local pub, and he just sprang that one out on me. And it's so true because um, we've got a we've got to. And I I had to buy him the next joke, but 
uh, we really had to um, we have to share that information and we need to tell people about it. So in education, that means when we talk about akonga, um, which, which can be translated as a student or, or a learner, um, toed is another, another um, phrase, um, we're talking about the wider, wider whānau. Uh, and I think that's something some people don't grasp is that it's not about the individual learner, it's about, it's about the surrounding whānau, the surrounding hapu, the surrounding iwi and the surrounding Māori community. And so when, when we coined that phrase of hapuri literacy, it meant that if, if, we, could, um, if we could increase uh, a nanny or an uncle or a sister or a brother uh, or, or the parents uh, or the caregivers, if we could increase their knowledge, it just increases the chances of our, our uh, community, the individual learner, to progress into education uh, and to to raise raise their standard of living. So when I talk about akunga, I'm talking about all of us because we need to be going in and out of education. It's not just high school kids that are leaving. But it, I think that's a crucial crucial difference. It, the system's so complicated, and for us in the education system, we, we, we get used to the difference between a certificate and a diploma and a postgraduate diploma and a level four and a... You know, but the majority of the community wouldn't have a clue. And, and if you spoke to them about apprenticeships and said, you know, have you thought about your son or daughter doing an a electrical apprenticeship, they wouldn't appreciate the difference between between an ITO or an ITP or a PTE or a Wananga or a university or, a, uh, any, you know, any of the other organisations, let alone all the acronyms that, that we use. So that's that's why we... we we landed on Hapuri literacy as being a crucial element to to um, to uh, make sure people were aware of the opportunities, so that it wasn't a secret. Um, and it's not about just advertising on the radio or TV or or um, in, in print or on social media or any of the other uh, streams. That's part of it. But I think there's a deeper. I know there's a deeper need to to um, empower through knowledge and 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 we'll, we'll get more people involved in education if they understand more about it before they enter into it. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Yeah, just don't stress too much, eh? No, seriously, eh? Um, it's interesting. I, I had a close family member uh, commit suicide just before COVID. Very close. And... Um, uh, it, it was it was sad for a whole range of reasons, obviously, with with him taking his life. But it was also um, I, I I hoped that, and he would have hoped that it put put um, some perspective in in people's lives that something's just some things just don't matter, uh, and and you just got to find the things that are really really important to you and hang on to them tight uh, and make sure that you spend as much time on those those important things. And I, I, a great believer, everything comes down to three or five bullet points. So when you, see, you read my stuff, it's either three or five. I always say five, but this always comes down to three. So it's finding those three things that are important. And, and for me, that they, their whānau, their faith, uh, I have a very strong faith. Uh, and the third is, is one that I've always struggled with, is what is that third one? And for me, it's transformation. And unfortunately, that word's a, word is used a lot. Um, uh, but but transformation at the moment—that's the third one on my list. Um, and supporting other pe- people to transform their lives, um, and uh, and myself always on always on a hikoi, always on a journey to, to self improvement and self reflection. So yeah, that's 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 my three shots of it. <laughs> Thank you for that, Moira. 
It was interesting listening to you talking about leisure, um, something I've been thinking about uh, in terms of giving us imagination space to grow. And uh, Joseph Piper in Leisure, the Basis of Culture, refers to our productivity fetishism um, that that rules our (laughs) culture and about the need to have that time for unburdened contemplation because that's where the good stuff is, that's where we create it. So it was really neat to be reminded of that. Thank you very much for that, Philip. No, you're welcome. Welcome. Thank I'm you glad very much. It's been m- of some use this evening. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Thank you for <laughs> joining us. And we're going yeah, to thanks go- for the opportunity, Sam. I always, always enjoy it. We're going to go out to actually it was your first pick, but it's really long, so we're putting it at the end. Uh, Miles Davis <laughs> and a kind of blue. No, no, that's the album. We're going to go out to Miles Davis. Yeah, that's the album. Uh, so what? Nice. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in Whangarei, Philip Alexander Crawford. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.